We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's up, Chargers fans? Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before NFL games, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before Chargers kickoff. Hey, it's Tyler from the Guilty as Charged podcast. I'm here to talk about prize picks. Prize picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. Watch your progress update in real time. Win up to 25 times your entry amount and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. PrizePix offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers. Players can enjoy community-wide promotions, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. I've loved using PrizePix so far. This week's I've got Justin Herbert with more than 284.5 passing yards and Keenan Allen with more than 82.5 receiving yards. To make your selections, go to prizepicks.com guilty and use code guilty for our first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com guilty and use code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. It's more fun to be there live for Los Angeles Chargers football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Los Angeles Chargers and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if you change your plans, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash chargers. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am the host, as always. And making his triumphant return on the show is our good friend, Mr. Daniel Harms, who is a film analyst for RGR Football and a fantasy football content creator for the football guys. Uh, Daniel, thanks for taking the time to join me again, man. What's up? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. And I know that, you know, to the 
dismay of some of the Charger fans that I am returning. But again, we're here to talk <laughs> football. We're having a, having a good conversation, and I hope you guys can get something out of it as much as I do. So again, thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, we always like to uh, to have our friends come back, and uh, you know, you know, you've been very kind with your time on the show in the past, and we've had some great conversations. So uh, we do like to mix it up a little bit. We had uh, Kent Swanson from uh, KC Sports Network, our uh, Blue Wire co-host, if you will, um, on before the season. So we're we're back to Daniel today to uh, talk about Chargers and Chiefs. So really excited about it. Um, Daniel also does great work for draft content. Me and him have always respond back and forth i love yeah. picking his brain about the draft um especially with like receiver stuff that's that's kind of a weak point of mine when it comes to draft prospects so um make sure you give daniel a follow you'll get great chiefs insight and you also get some great draft insight when it comes time to that so i remember actually picking your brain about rasheed rice and so i wanted to, mm -hmm. to start this conversation with rasheed he's the leading receiver of the wide receivers of the kansas city chiefs right now um, you know, I, I remember talking to Canton. There was not a ton of concern about the wide receiver room, obviously because of Travis and because of Patrick. But um, specifically from Rasheed, what has kind of led to him becoming the guy right now in in that room? It's been a lot of what he wasn't doing at SMU. He was this <laughs> guy. He was this guy that was running a lot of go routes down the field, winning balls, yeah. and yeah, he was. That's what he was coming out. He was like this ball winning guy, and everyone was like, "Well, the explosiveness isn't really there." But the injury that he had his, in his foot, I'm not entirely sure exactly what it was, but he had a foot injury his senior year at SMU. And then if you went back to his 2021 tape and you watched him, like, there's explosiveness here. Like, there's something to that injury that really zapped a little bit of it. But right now he's being asked to be his own beater. He has been pretty much a slot receiver in Kansas City, and they are teaching mm -hmm. him the ways of finding those soft spots sitting down in the coverage, and then accelerating after the catch. They've used him on, on screens and to get the ball in his hands fast because one, one thing that he's shown is his catch-to-attack ability is the best in Kansas City right now. With Kadarius Tony still working his way back, I think that he'd be better. And when it comes time that he's fully healthy and they're ready to kind of unleash him if they ever plan on doing that. But right now, like I said, he's been the best at that, getting the ball in his hands quickly generating yards after the catch and just sitting down in zone they haven't even asked him to run a full route tree with goes on the outside or may maybe make some ball winning plays things like that they've been asking him to just work as a part of the offense and they really love to do what travis kelsey does is find those zones sit down and then yeah. make yards after the catch so he's done a great job it's it kind of sounds like he's been their juju replacement when you're when yeah you're right now yeah stuff. So very interesting, uh, you know, cannot really relate to the team using a, a rookie receiver <laughs> the right way right now. It's uh, frustrating vibes around Quentin Johnston, but uh, running the the love of the game routes and things like that's just been weird for, for Quentin Johnston. But we'll, we'll, we'll move on here. Um, you know, the, I remember, you know, back in the summer, there was a lot of positivity around the offensive tackle situation for the Chiefs mm -hmm. uh, moving on from. Uh, oh my gosh, Orlando Brown. I totally blanked on his name there for a second. Um, and Andrew Wiley, obviously not matching the Andrew Wiley contract. I totally understood in the moment. I understand now uh, the, the commanders paid him a, lot, a pretty nice chunk of change. Yeah. So a lot of optimism when you know we were listening to things around the summer about Jawan Taylor, Donovan Smith. What's been your evaluation of the way that those two have come in and, and performed so far through uh, five games for the Chiefs or six games, I should say, sorry. Mm -hmm. 
I think the gameplay so far, specifically with Juwan Taylor, it's been good when he's been playing, like not causing penalties. Like that's been the biggest issue with Juwan Taylor has been penalties. Like if he can keep himself out of the headlines the next day with penalties and jumping, you know, off start, mm. if in a false starts and getting the little bit of tick early that he likes to get, which we see around the NFL, everyone kind of does it and no <laughs> one else wants to get called except Juwan Taylor. Yeah. Um, it seemed like the, a point was made that he was doing it a little bit too early and lining up wrong. So right now it seems like he's figured out where to line up and where to, you know, come off the ball and when to get into his drop step. And now he's got to work on that, the holding stuff. Cause the one thing with Juwan Taylor you know, playing in Jacksonville last year and then this year is that strength has been a bit of an issue. Like going against the bull rush is something that has been able to get past him and work him upfield and be able to transfer speed to power and then power into a club under or an arm over or a rip through. That's something that I think is going to be a lot of fun to watch on Sunday with Tuli Tulipolotu. Like, he's going to be able to do a little bit with his power. I'm very excited to watch that because when you watch, you know, week one against Aiden Hutchinson, Duran Taylor shut him down. Like, he was able to get that done. So I'm interested to see what level of play he brings there. But I think on the field, he's been fine. Penalties, mental errors been the bigger issue for him. On the flip side, I think, you know, Donovan Smith has been up and down. For the most mm. part, he seems to be an all-or-nothing kind of guy. He wants to get mm. those finishing plays, and I think he really tried to do that early in the season. And then he would get beat a couple times and just completely miss his blocks. He's leveled off a little bit. He's still a little hit and miss with his pass protections and his run blocking. But I, I think he's, like I said, he's leveled off. But they're not going to be going moving forward with him after the season. This is 100% a stop-gap left tackle that they're going to have to resolve next season. So... He's got to find a way to elevate his play a little bit if he wants to get another contract somewhere else as a you know, starter or a possible swing stopgap tackle wherever he's going to go next. I don't know if it'll be in Kansas City, but like I said, leveled off a little bit. He's been better as of late, uh, but every once in a while you see him on the ground and I'm just like, yeah, that's uh, kind of how it works out for him sometimes. Is his play like – would? Would the Chiefs ever like move on from him in season? Not like cutting him, but like I know they drafted Wanya Morris. I know they mm -hmm. have uh Lucas Niang. Any chance that Donovan Smith kind of becomes just like, hey, he's the weak point, like we gotta mix this up. Any any chance there of, of future changes? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think okay. they have a left tackle right now that's gonna be able to play better than Donovan Smith has, and that's kind of been proven to to an extent. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, the the Jawan Taylor stuff is gonna be really interesting because I'm I'm pretty sure uh, Mr. Joey Bosa is is chomping at the bit to to get some revenge from yeah. the Jacksonville matchup, and then you know you mentioned Thule as well, uh, who's just been incredible for this team. So uh, gonna be an exciting one. I think both edge rusher offensive tackle matchups in this one are gonna be very interesting. Um, and kind of switching gears there, Charles Omenahu uh, coming back making yep. his return from the suspension. What was uh, kind of the vibe around him in the summer? And what's kind of your expectation for Omenahu in, in his debut as a Kansas City Chief? Yeah, when he came in, I mean, we all kind of expected, at least I expected, he would be much more of an interior pass rusher, a guy who you don't really necessarily want to be a full-time starter on the outside. He's more... He's a, he's a much better interior pass rusher next to Chris Jones or whoever they end up putting there. I think that's kind of what we've seen is that you don't know who's going to end up as the interior pass rusher if it's, you know, 
if it's Chris Jones, if it's Mike Dana, if it's George Karloftis, if it's, you know, any one of these guys that can end up, they can end up throwing in there. I do think that his first game back, he'll be more of a designated pass rusher. Um, I'd be a little surprised if they brought him in full stop and just said, here, here's like 50% of the defensive snaps, especially in a game that we have seen in the past to be high scoring and be more wearing on a defensive line. I think that would be a little bit more of a smart thing to do when you're bringing him in, you know, off of six weeks of no gameplay, no practice, all that kind of stuff, work him in. And again, you might see him, on some rundowns as an out as a defensive end, but I fully expect him to be moving around, maybe standing up a little bit on pass rush situations, kind of playing in gap, in out of gap, and next to Chris Jones, next to whoever it is. So yeah, he's probably going to be more of your uh, designated pass rusher in his first game, a little bit plus coming back from his uh, his uh, suspension. But he he was good. He was good in the preseason. He was. He was like the best, the most effective pass rusher the Chiefs had um, without Chris Jones, obviously, with his holdout before the season went in. But he was impactful on the inside. He was able to win multiple times against guards, against setters. You saw him also on the um, on the outside winning against some tackles in preseason, too. So he got some good work in, and he was able to get some of that collective you know, Steve Spagnolo juice and blood into him before he got uh, before he was off to a suspension. So he got he definitely got some good work in. All right. So interesting. Uh, more expectation from an inside perspective there. Um, you know, Chris Jones obviously plays a little bit here and there. So mm-hmm. uh, George Karloftis, then, I guess, is, is kind of the, the next guy here I want to ask about because he was obviously a first round pick. He had a good rookie season when you look at his his numbers. I was just looking at like all the rookie edge rushers from like the last 10 years to, yeah, you know, put what Tooley's been doing in, into kind of perspective for the Chargers. But um, George Karloftis had a solid rookie season last year. He was uh, a little bit behind Aiden Hutchinson, but you know, I, th- I think it's safe to say he ex- exceeded expectations last year. What have you seen from him this year? Has he made kind of has he made any significant jumps forward, or is he still kind of uh, going through some growing pains right now? I think the biggest impact that he's had from last year to this year is his hand usage. That's mm-hmm. the bigger the bigger thing is that he worked in Tom Bahali this with Tom Bahali this offseason to get a little bit quicker. The one, the one pass rush problem that I've had with George Karloftis, you know, at Purdue now is that he doesn't win quick enough. It's, I mean, it's the NFL ball comes out really, really quickly. You have great effort sacks. You have great effort wins. And that's still kind of the predominant pass rush factor from George Karloftis. He's been trending upward the last couple of games. He's gotten more, more quick wins against Minnesota and against the Denver Broncos. We, I saw that multiple times, a couple of rips underneath. You, you know, Chris Jones got a sack uh, once again against the Denver Broncos. But if you watch like the replay, you see GK is like right there. He's like, he was, he was on the other side winning just a hair after, you know, Chris Jones does. Cause he's like the fastest guy outside of Aaron Donald on the inside or wherever he's lined yeah. up. So, but yeah, he's he's been a much better force as a pass rusher. I think he's getting more confident with his hand usage, and that's a big part of you know playing defensive end, especially when he didn't play a ton before coming to Purdue, and then he's in the NFL. He's got the requisite requisite strength to play as a run defender. He's been very good as a run defender this year, better than last year, I think. And he was a better pass rusher last year than a run defender. So he's starting to up his game in the pass rush department and really round out their front four with good players. And I wouldn't say George Kalafta is an elite defensive end because he's still got work to do, but I think he's moving in the right direction to round out uh, a group of pass rushers next to Chris Jones, who is one of the best in the NFL. 
Yeah, that that is for sure. I was really hoping he would hold out for longer than he did. <laughs> uh, after that tweet where he was like, "I'm good. I can hold. I can. I can miss eight game checks or whatever." Yeah, right. But, uh, he's amazing, man. And uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate. But um, I want to get to this linebacker crew. Obviously, yeah, a player that the Chargers are very familiar with is Mr. Drew Tranquil. Um, first of all, is Nick Bolton expected to play, or is he still going to be out? Yeah, he played last week, so he'll be back. He'll, oh, he'll still okay, be okay. playing. Yeah. Gotcha. So what's been the adjustment with Drew Tranquil and Toe? Because I think like when he signed there, a lot of people were surprised mm-hmm. given the rest of that room. Um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that probably the deepest linebacker room that Steve Spagnuolo has probably ever had. Ever. Um, <laughs> what are what are you seeing from that group right now? I think that they were trying to figure out how they were going to use all four. Because when you watched Leo Chanel earlier in the season, it was like he's he's figuring some things out. They were using him in some fascinating ways as like a three-three front defense where he's in the overhang, um, where he's an overhang rusher, like he's a linebacker, oh. but he's a pseudo defensive end. So you have three defensive uh, front players on, so defensive end, two defense tackles, and Leo Chanel, and then two linebackers. So it looks like it's four uh, four two, but it's three three. It was actually very very cool how they were using him. And then you know Nick Bolton gets his, gets injured. And they were like, well, now we have to actually use a little bit more of our guy, Drew Tranquil, who they really did want to get in mixed in more. And he's really elevated not only his run defensive play. You see he put on a little bit more weight from last year to this year. Um, I think he was trying to adjust and learn how he was going to move with his added added, added weight into some pass coverage. So early on when he was back out there more than earlier in the season when Nick Bolton was there, he had some, I think, just adjustments to where he needed to be, how he needed to be able to trigger downhill, and then how he would get into his drops. But now that they've got Nick Bolton back and he's good with, with Tranquil and a step up from Leo Chanel, they almost have this amoeba type of defense where if you have you bring out two, two tight ends, they're comfortable putting Leo Chanel out there, whether it's with Drew Tranquil or Nick Bolton and, and Willie mm-hmm. Gay, and just kind of using it. If you want to throw it, throw it. They're more comfortable now with Leo Chanel in that that coverage role. He's still not able to locate the football as much, but he was much better in his drops and getting his zone drops and getting coverage. And really what I think Drew Tranquil has allowed them to do is be that comfortable switching out linebackers. Whether Nick Bolton comes off the field, they put Drew Tranquil there next to Willie Gay, and they can still stop the run. I think that's one of been one of the biggest mm-hmm. additions is that they've been able to go in their nickel or even their dime sets and still be very, very good, much better than they have in the past against the run. And it's really elevated their linebacker play. So his addition sorting out how they were going to get the, the snaps all figured out this rotation. It helps keeps every, helps keep everybody, you know, ready to go not not missing a bunch of time glad that nick bolton's back but less reps helps everyone especially throughout the season as the chiefs have played the most football games over the last five seasons than any any team in the in the league so it's, it's just really helped them be more multiple up front and help them just get more diverse and get more bodies out there on defense yeah you know drew Tranquil obviously play has played you know a former college safety right played in, mm-hmm. yeah. in more finesse style defenses under the chargers so it makes sense that he would have to to gain some weight out there in kansas city so it's it's uh it's a fun group to watch on tape man if you're like an objective football watcher it's it's a group that i'm not super excited to watch this week you know the chargers are going to go from a team who played four safeties most of the game from the you know the cowboys with all their injuries to 
this linebacker crew that just wants to thump you and punch you in the face, man. It's it's like I said, it's it's an intense group for sure. They've been this this group has been so much different. I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that they've all almost all of them have been in this system for a long time now. Mm-hmm. If it's not one year, most of them have had ex, extensive years in Spag's system. And just watching la, you know last week against the Broncos, where where Nick Bolton had his his interception against. Uh, the the Broncos he was able to take over what Drew Tranquil's zone was they they saw a little bit of leak out from the the running back Drew just goes over there and instinctively Nick Bolton gets back in his zone a little bit more seeing that I think that they understand it much better not just from a linebacker perspective but from the secondary standpoint they're really doing a good job of passing off their coverage responsibilities and understanding where they have to be better than they ever have in Steve Spagnuolo's uh, defensive coordinatorship here in Kansas City. Yeah, I miss the days of Ben Neiman and, and all those guys when the Chargers <laughs> could just take advantage of those linebackers right. pretty easily, but this group yeah, is... Those were the days, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, last thing about the defense here. Um, this secondary this secondary group, specifically the cornerback duo of Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed, I think is is not getting the, the pub that it should. Um, Trent McDuffie, you know, playing a lot of slot and just doing what he did in college, just, just yeah. playing tough, taking the football away. Um, and then Legereus Need, our guy Arjun has this tracker of, of who is shadowing number ones the most, and Legereus Need is like, I think, second in the league mm-hmm. right now among cornerbacks. What's allowed that duo to, to really come into their own this year and, and shine the way that they have so far? When we look back to last year, you know, Trent McDuffie started the season after his injury as an outside corner. And then near the end of the season, it felt like the Chiefs figured out how they wanted to use both of them. Even going back to the last last year when they played the Chargers, he was, uh, Legereus Need was lining up against Mike Evans a lot of the time. Like their number one outside receiver, the biggest threat to Kansas City down the field. He has been a, a Kansas City killer for like his entire career. He just seems to have big games every single uh, season. It's unfortunate that he's out um, with that injury because I think it would have been a lot of fun to watch them go at it this this year again. They, they, they oh, you mean really Mike nice Williams? Stuff. Yeah, Mike Williams. Yeah, just it's an, it's unfortunate to see those those kind of injuries just yeah. take away, especially because these games are just as as in, intense and adrenaline filled as they are. I always want to see the team at their best. I, I, I always want to see that. So that's that's unfortunate. But Legereus Need has been lining up pretty much as an outside corner this year. Like pretty much that's what he is. He is the the number one guy, and he's you watch him against Justin Jefferson. Like that's all you got to do. Go watch him play against the best receiver in football. He was physical. He was aggressive. He was not giving an inch to the best receiver in football, and that's the the mentality that these two guys have. They are not going to give an inch and. McDuffie for everything that how difficult it is to be a slot corner in the NFL you have to cover so much ground you have to be able to change direction kind of have to be able to guess a little bit and guess right and for someone who is not intercepting the football he's still turning it over he's got three fumbles forced on the season like three or four fumbles forced on the season that's the kind of impact that he has he's he's blitzing he's getting pressures he's moving all over the formation he's still playing on the outside a little bit and then he reduces in the slot when they go to their nickel package so these two guys and and when you look at like their pff grades take them for what you will trent mcduffie grades out as the best corner in the nfl and then you see legerius need all the way down the chief's defensive list behind kendra coburn who just got waived today uh so it it kind (laughs) of tells you a little bit about what uh what happens what's being taken into account here yeah with with their defensive coverage grades but 
everything that Legereus need again contract year undefeated like this is his contract year he's getting he wants to get paid um i think that what he's doing right now is going to get him a lot of attention from other teams kansas city is going to be hard pressed to keep him with mm-hmm. other situations going forward but right now they have one of the best one two punches at cornerback in the nfl yeah no that group has been fun Sneed, super physical, just I, I love the mentality from both of those guys. You know, that's that's exactly what I want for my corners. Get at the line, be physical, take chances, make plays, you know, and uh, it's a fun group to watch. All right, uh, we'll get you out of here on this one. There's been a lot of national media talk about the offensive struggles for the Chiefs this yeah. year and how it's not as smooth as previous years. Um, what do you make of that group and the way that they've performed, you know, some people trying to say they miss Eric Vienemy too much, you know, the receiver group. Is the offense struggling, in your opinion? And what do you make of like the national narratives about that offense right now? I think whenever you've been at the top for as long as the Chiefs have, people are gonna try, and myself included, be a little bit more negative to when you see things don't look kind of right. I think the Bills are going through some of that right now where people are like, well, they they yeah. don't. They don't look good. Granted, they're still like second, I think, in efficiency, uh, offensive <laughs> yeah. efficiency in the NFL. So something's going right in Buffalo. But it, there, there's always going to be some kinks to work out. And I think the biggest the biggest thing they had to figure out was who was going to be that go-to receiver in terms of finding those soft spots and zones. They're, they're seeing more zone this year. Um, and even when they're facing against man, they're trying to figure out the right play calls. And you see them get caught sometimes. You saw them get caught in the red zone a couple times by the Broncos last week where they have a play that's set for man beating. And then you get zone. And then you have routes that are being run into zone coverage. That would happen a lot in week one against the Detroit Lions where they expected to see a lot of man. And they flipped on them, and they play a lot of zone. You saw a lot of whip routes being run right into off uh, off coverage defensive cornerbacks. Uh, so it's it's been trying to figure out what everyone does well. And MVS has been a, I guess, just a wind sprint guy this year. He's pretty much one at running wind sprints, like, and he's That's not like getting Brendan Johnson is doing right now. Yeah, like these guys are playing almost the same position, and the one trust guy that they had justin watson just got hurt and mm-hmm. i think that rishi rice has been that trustworthy guy you said he was being used a lot like juju schuster and setting in those zones i think that he's taken that step forward to become the number one receiver in kansas city um there's been also a lot of, of sky Moore bashing and i'm not going to entertain the sky Moore bashing my, myself uh i saw a lot of positives from him last week against the broncos and at the end of the day, it comes down to how much the offense is going to use you. So struggling, I don't think that they're struggling in the same sense that the national media does. Mm-hmm. I think that they've stepped on themselves multiple times. They moved the ball at will against the Broncos defense. They, they just did whatever they wanted to until they got to the red zone. And you had some some kinks that they couldn't really work out. You had some penalties. You had some negative runs on first down. And then you had, you know, Kadarius Tony, jet sweeps and quarterbacking i don't know some of those decisions i don't personally i wouldn't personally have made myself but again i'm not a super bowl winning head coach and offensive coordinator so at the same time it's it's there i think they really are trying some things out last couple of years the defense in kansas city was the start the slow starting unit they were working on some things they were trying to figure some things out and after the bye 
every single year, Steve Spagnuolo's defense got better because they threw out all the stuff that didn't work and they stuck with the things that they knew worked. I would not be surprised if that flips the script this year and the Chiefs are just kind of throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks. And after the bye, they get rid of all the trash, the excess stuff in there, and they go with the offense. So I'm not here to say that they're struggling, but they're starting to figure some things out. Must be nice to just be able to take the first month of the season and be like, yeah, let's <laughs> let's just try some things out and then see and what still happens. still be five and one. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's... Must be nice over there. You know, Chargers experiment with some with some stuff, and they uh, they're two and three. So that's 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 the fun situation right now. Um, Daniel, this has been great, man. Always is uh, a true Always. treat to uh, chat with you every single year when the the Chargers and Chiefs get together, draft content, all that good stuff. Uh, sincerely, one of my favorite people to talk to uh, online. So, Charge fans, go check him out on Twitter. Check him out on uh, his YouTube shows as well. And uh, Daniel will be in touch soon, man. Uh, appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much for the shout out and also for having me on. Just fantastic talking with you every single time we get the pleasure of doing so. So thank you. Always, man. Appreciate it. Wish you guys nothing but the best over there in uh, in Kansas City. It's going to be fun. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.